0: movies this is one of your co-hosts chris gasper this is frank Pellicone. you're listening to episode 53 of the spin chagrin and last week's category was hawk and stealth so frank what did you what did you come up with for this nonsense category um
1: so there's two movies we're going to talk about tonight uh the first movie meets your category description um in letter if not in spirit And then the second one is more of like the, I think, what you were looking for in terms of like the description of it. Hmm. Um, So the first movie is we're going to talk about is the actual Chagrin movie. Okay. uh, Which is the 2005 um, uh, military action sci fi film Stealth. Okay. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. It stars uh, Josh Lucas, Jessica Beale jamie fox uh, sham sam shepherd um premise of the movie is there's this new stealth bomber that's um being deployed to the whatever the air force or navy or whatever and there's these three hot shot pilots that get brought into be the trial like whatever like trial pilots for the the program and that's Jamie Fox, Jessica Biel, and Josh Lucas. Um, so the opening bit of the movie is kind of like more of, more or less a Top Gun riff. Like, here's these super attractive um, pilots who they're all like cocky and egotistical, but you know they try to make it seem like they have a heart of gold. And there's obvious like sexual tension between Jessica Biel and Josh Lucas and Mm -hmm. um jamie fox is this kind of like hyper intelligent i guess like physicist like he has a physics background um who's also like a complete like whore basically when it comes to women so they fly the planes and the planes are awesome and they're great pilots and Mm -hmm. um they're under the command of uh this guy george cummings um that's the Sam Shepard character who has a past history with the um Lucas Josh Lucas character so they take him out on this um, aircraft carrier and when they're there they're like we're gonna introduce you to the fourth member of your squadron and Jamie Foxx is like oh man like four is an unlucky number because the only lucky numbers are prime and we got three right now and we don't need to have a fourth because the fourth would be unlucky so as he's talking this this plane comes flying in which is like a modified version of um the talon or whatever the fuck their stealth bombers are called Mm -hmm. um and it lands and there's no pilot and Mm -hmm. cummings is like i want you to meet eddie and Eddie is EDI and it stands for something but they call him Eddie for the whole movie um <laughs> right it's like he's the first uh, first Robo piloted stealth bomber and he's gonna be part of your team and he was created by fuck what's the guy's name Keith Keith orbit Keith orbit <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay Keith orbits this amazing scientist who's like an expert in um aerodynamics and they basically paint him to be a i don't know like a bill gates style or elon musk is actually probably a better comp right um yeah and his name happens to be orbit so everybody's all like we can't we can't fly with a robot like it takes you know you got to be a person to um to be able to pilot like do military missions um because you have to have a soul and you have to have a heart so cummings is like you know what you need some r&r to think about this so go to go to thailand and take a vacation um so they do and when they're in thailand um jamie fox like picks up some woman and At a temple and then there's some will they won't they like flirtation between Lucas and Beal and Beal's basically like you know why can't you just like settle down with one woman and Lucas is like well I just like to leave them in the morning and um (laughs) so both of the males are are kind of scumbags yeah like except well, I guess they do, like they're at a party at one point and Lucas does go off with another woman and you can tell that Beale's like unhappy about it. And then there's there's a joke where um, Lucas comes into her cabin and she has her like laundry hanging up, like her unmentionables. And he's like walking around and talking to her and he runs into her bra and she's like, oh, part of my C-cups. Ha-ha. um. <laughs> Right. So anyway, so while they're in Thailand, and while um, Jamie Fox is like banging this um, Thai lady in some like rice paddy in her little oh, like, they left
0: the temple. Okay,
1: yeah. Well, they're in like a little like traditional like shack, I guess kind of. Okay. Um, they get a they get a page that they're needed on a mission, mm-hmm. so what you find out is that Eddie has been programmed to learn. So he's a sentient AI and he's going to learn things. Um, And Cummings wants to eventually replace um, I guess like all the living pilots with um, these mechanical pilots.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So they're set on this mission where they have to um fly into Rangoon and there's a terrorist cell there that has nuclear weapons and they want them to take it out um or no I'm sorry they're sent on this mission where they have to go to Rangoon and there's this maneuver that has to happen where the plane has to fly really high up in the air and then come straight down and launch a missile straight down into a building to minimize collateral damage. And they say that the only one that can do it is Eddie because it takes like a machines um, timing to do it. But Josh Lucas is like, nah, I can do that shit. And he does. So then they're flying back to the aircraft carrier and Eddie gets struck by lightning. And it's like a Frankenstein thing Where (laughs) um, It reprograms his neural Capacitors or some shit they say And so now he starts like Learning exponentially um, And kind of developing This ethical code and also like a human Ego Um, But Sam Shepard's like nah We're not going to take this offline we've invested too much Money and by the way there's some Stolen nuclear warheads in like Tajikistan that you got to go like you guys got to go take out um so when they're flying there um Jessica Beale realizes that there's this huge valley filled with like farmers and stuff Mm -hmm. and that if they blow up the warheads it's going to cause like ridiculous fallout to like spread down into the valley which you feel like that's something that people should have known before they sent them there yeah yeah I think it would be something people would know the basic premise of this movie is that the military is always surprised by everything. <laughs> that there is no and,
0: military intelligence.
1: Right. Never has any idea what's going on <laughs> until these three pilots like visually confirm with their eyeballs. Because mm-hmm. they're always like seeing stuff out the window and saying hey like I can see this thing happening. Or look down there. There's all these like houses. Mm-hmm. Um, So they like Lucas is like now nah, we got to call this off. And Eddie's like, no, we have to call this on because this is what our orders are. So he blows up the warheads and this big black cloud of fallout. That's exactly how it would work. Comes like rolling down the mountain into this village and kills all these people. Um, So then Sam Shepard's like, all right, you guys got to come back to base. And Eddie's like, nah, we're not going back to base. Um, I'm I'm doing uh, mission caviar sweep. And everyone's like, oh my God, Caviar Sweep's not even real. And you find out that Caviar Sweep is code for um, basically attacking Russia. Um, Okay. But it's like some pretense. And how do they describe it? Caviar Sweep is just a fantasy concocted by scientists in a lab. Which I don't think that's how like military uh, right. strategy is done, but in, in stealth, that's what happens. Okay. Um, so they all start to chase Eddie. Um, and uh, Jamie Foxx, who's been like very kind of like the only one that's kind of pro um, technology, mm-hmm. is like, Eddie, man, like, I'm the only one that's been on your side, and now you're not going <laughs> to listen to me. Like, we got to go back to base. And he's like, no. I have to carry out my mission. And he's like, but it's not your mission. You're kind of just being an asshole and I don't want to shoot you. And he's like, if you shoot me, it's going to end bad for you. So Eddie shoots a missile into a mountain that causes an explosion because Jamie Foxx is too close behind him. And it blinds him and Jamie Foxx crashes into a mountain and dies. Um, Actually, probably the funniest scene in the movie because it's a slow motion shot of his plane impacting a mountain Mm. and then the fuselage like coming through the cockpit and like exploding him so he's (laughs) okay um so then jessica beale and josh lucas are chasing him um and jessica beale real realizes that she's got um uh like damage to her something or other i don't know whatever Mm -hmm. they do like this thing where they like cgi into the inner workings and you see there's like a hose. oh that's god like um so she also starts to crash and she has do to they eject. do that often in this movie like sometimes it of... happens a lot Ugh. um so she has to eject so again the fucking military geniuses that are in control of like the air force and the navy who are in charge of this mission are like where is she at we don't have a fix on her, her location and she calls out um because the whole time like they're talking to each other over radio communication so if they can have radio communication they should be able to somehow track where these things are but no one knows where anything is so she like gives her coordinates her longitude and latitude and they're like oh my god she's over north korea (laughs) so she so she ejects um and as she's ejecting she then narrates like everything that's happening to her as she's like ejecting through the air so she's like i'm falling i'm falling i'm falling there's what? debris. There's debris falling at me. Debris coming down. The debris is on fire. Are oh they? My God. Are the? Are are they showing this as well? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. You get to see it happen. Um. But she's narrating it for the people back home who obviously have no idea what's going on. Anymore. Oh. Okay. Um. But the whole time she's like talking constantly. So her plan is she's going to wait till the last minute to trigger her parachute on her ejector seat. Um. So the, there'll be less chance of the debris falling through her parachute and catching it on fire. Cause right. as she says probably 452 times the debris is on fire. Um, right. So anyway, so it ends up being something out of like GI Joe kind of where she like pulls her parachute at the last minute, but it still catches on fire, but she's only like a thousand feet up. So she's able to like aim herself with some trees mm. Um, like like in first blood, but first blood is much more believable because he's only like forty feet off the ground when he does it, right And he like dire- directly jumps into a tree and then slides down. but that's what she does. Okay. so she ends up um, landing in the woods in North Korea, and she's got a submachine gun because it was in the dashboard of the um the plane. Mm. Um so she finds this secluded cabin by the stream. And she's drinking some water, and she realizes that um, there's a bunch of Korean ladies coming. So she's like, oh, shit. So she goes to hide, and a little girl sees her, and the little girl screams. But then, like, two seconds later, this helicopter lands. And the helicopter, like, has all these North Korean, um, like, soldiers in it. And I was thinking, like, what the fuck? Like, how the hell could she have, like, this little girl in the middle of nowhere alerted you know the fucking north korean military to this woman's presence but what it turns out is that cummings alerted the military um to eliminate her because he doesn't want anyone to know about um, eddie's failings
0: because mm. um, he wants to protect the program so this is the most mid-2000s fucking thing i ever heard yeah oh yeah definitely
1: um because jamie fox is already dead so his idea is he's going to kill the other two sure and basically just kind of allow like Eddie to come back and then they'll start over. Um, so she escapes. Um, and then at the same time, Josh Lucas has now reasoned with Eddie that they have to go find her because she's their wingman. Um, so they're going to fly because this, Oh, I'm sorry. So wait, how does that happen? So he's running out of fuel, and he goes to land at this airstrip in Alaska, because then he wants to turn back around and fly back down to like save her. So him and Eddie, he convinces Eddie to land with him, and he's like, you know, she's part of our team. We got to go rescue her. Um. So while he's there, the commander of this military base is like, hey, like you seem pretty injured, um, in the crash because he crashed his plane to land it um why don't you and the thing is is these are vtol aircraft, so vertical takeoff and landing mm-hmm. so there's no reason for him to like come down really hard and crash but he does you know for story mm-hmm. so while the guy is trying to he's like oh i have this um shot that i'm going to administer to you that's going to make you feel better and josh lucas like figures out that the shot is poison and he's going to actually try and kill him how's he figure that out i don't remember um, it just happens, and like so, he basically causes the doctor, or military commander, to inject himself, mm. and then that guy dies. And then Josh Lucas runs up to Eddie and is like, "Eddie, my plane is destroyed. We got to go rescue Jessica Beale. You're gonna have to let me fly inside." You and Eddie's like, "Come on in, partner, because we're <laughs> part of a team." Fucking <laughs> um,
0: so, so
1: so that happens. <laughs> Um, So but then they realized that Eddie's stealth capabilities were damaged um, during like all the fracas from before. So the only way they can rescue Jessica Biel in North Korea is to fly 15 feet above the ground because that's under the level that radar can detect. Mm. So then they do that. So there's this giant stealth bomber flying 15 feet above the ground through Russia and North Korea. Um, So Jessica Biel like she's running away and one of the North Korean guys he's a sniper so he shoots her in the arm and so she's hurt but then she like tricks them by hiding behind a rock and then like putting her Uzi up and shooting a bunch and like she kills a few of them and wounds the sniper Um, but then they're still coming after her but she makes it into the DMZ um, or whatever they call it, the JSA like that area the Mm -hmm. between North Korea and South Korea. Um, so somehow josh lucas knows exactly where they are so him and eddie are flying in to get her and the wounded sniper has like fashioned a crutch out of an m16 or ak-47 probably because it's north korea um and he's coming after him too so and plus there's still like the whole group of north korean like officer or soldiers that are after her so she's wounded um but eddie shoots a missile and blows up all the north korean soldiers and eddie's like this is our last missile and josh lucas is like yeah but we got to save her so then eddie lands like you know straight down because of course it's a vertical takeoff and landing vehicle Mm -hmm. um and josh lucas runs over and embraces jessica beale and like their lips right next to each other and um there's like all this like sexual tension uh but the sniper guy like starts to shoot or no i'm sorry they they kill the sniper guy because Josh Lucas shot him, but then like this helicopter comes with all these more soldiers and Josh Lucas is like, oh my god, we're out of missiles. What are we gonna do? And Eddie's like, I got this. So Eddie, while Josh Lucas and Jessica Bieler are still on the ground, Eddie lifts off and starts shooting with his machine guns, and then crashes himself into them and blows them both up mm. to give them the ability to run away, um, which they, they do. Mm. Um, so then, um meantime uh the josh lucas had called the guy that's in charge of the aircraft carrier on the phone um because they have a history too and he's like hey sam shepherd's being a dick and he's breaking the law and you got to go arrest him and the guy's like all right i'm gonna go do that so he does and sam shepherd's like give me a minute and then he goes and commits suicide because he can't bear the shame of being arrested um, so then they have a funeral for Jamie Foxx, and um Jessica Biel's like, when we were up in the air before everything went south, you were saying something to me. Do you want to finish telling me what you were saying? Okay. And he, oh, fuck, what does he say? He's like, we are two, and two is a prime number, and a prime number is lucky, and I think that we're both lucky that we found each other. And I think we need to explore that luck and see what happens. And she's like, why don't you just tell me you love me, you pussy? And then that's the end of the movie. And then I come to find out that apparently there's uh, a stringer on the end of the movie, like after the credits. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see this part um, where Eddie's like little self-aware brain globe thing that's inside the cockpit, like lights up in the wreckage. Mm. Like showing that Eddie is still sentient and alive. Um, So I guess they thought that when this movie blew up and was an international (laughs) phenomenon Uh that they would make more stealth movies. Um, But unfortunately, it became one of the biggest failures in box (laughs) office history. Losing like $70 million over its budget or something like that. So There is no stealth too, as far as I know. Nor would I watch it if there was. So that's stealth. Um the weird thing about it too is that like so the guy that filmed it, Rob Cohen, is apparently a sexual predator. Yeah, he's sex pest. Yeah. Um oh I I mean but like
0: supposedly like molested his daughter or something when she was young. Like yeah, that's yeah. the accusation. And Aja Argento last year or something like that. I remember like reading that she accused him of raping her on the set of some movie. Yes. Yeah, that also happened. Uh, uh
1: Anyway, so he's a pretty scummy guy. Um and I had no idea, like I didn't recognize the name when I first saw it because he's not really somebody that is on my radar necessarily. Um, yeah, the thing he, I thought he was, was like
0: the Fast and the Furious guy, right? Yeah, the first fast and first the Furious. First one, yeah, uh uh-huh. yeah. and triple X. Mm. Mm. Um
1: the thing that I found interesting about his directorial style is that it felt very reality TV-esque, like he was trying to film it in a way... Oh, here's something you would love. So when she crash lands in North Korea, mm-hmm. they change all the film to blue, so it looks like an early 2000s horror movie. Um, because I guess to illustrate the desolation and horror of North Korea. Right. Right. Um, awesome.
0: Yeah, it's real awesome. So this was also written by uh, W.D. Richter, who is that wendy richter (laughs) no i thought that as a child though like potentially like i thought that this person was a was a female for a lot of my childhood um but that it is the writer of big trouble in little china and director buckaroo bonsai uh also adapted needful things um as well and uh wrote the the one invasion of the body snatchers you like the um uh what's his face uh but yeah, so he he wrote Home for the Holidays as well. In maybe oh time. man, uh huh. And then doesn't write anything until this. So um, he gets one one shot after Home for the Holidays, and it's this it's this movie. He
1: was probably watching GI Joe for right. eight, nine years, trying to figure out like, right, how can I adapt this to the big screen? Right. I mean, that's really what it feels like—is like a thirty-minute episode of GI Joe that's been pushed um, to two hours, too. And that—that's not. Oh my About this movie, it's two fucking hours long for like nothing to really happen. Um, and I guess the, like the themes of the movie are, you know, AI and what makes like something sentient, and blah blah blah. I, don't know. I mean, there's. There's things that could have been interesting in this movie had it been done in an entirely different fashion.
0: Um, but it wasn't and it's still really bad. So, yeah. I always wonder when I see Sam Shepard's in something, and especially when it's like this bad. Like Sam Shepard is a is a Pulitzer prize winner <laughs> for writing. Like, what do you think he, th- the like, is it just a paycheck? It's got to be, right? Like, he can't I mean, it's a hundred and
1: 135 million dollar budget. Like, right. he had to have gotten like some amount of that. So, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. I also, I, so we, we we did a quick cage this week and we talked about this for the new Nicolas Cage movie, um, The Old Way. Mm-hmm. And I made the point that, that Nicolas Cage was probably attracted to the themes and the ideas in the script and was thinking that this could be a really great like character moment Mm -hmm. and so it it might be something similar because in a vacuum like it's a really interesting idea of and not that it's not an idea that has been done like dozens of times but you know how far do you go to like advance national security you know and how how much are you willing to risk like what's what's acceptable collateral damage you know is it Mm -hmm tens of thousands of lives in this valley is it the lives of like three of your best pilots if the answer to that is you can get you know a machine that will then save tens of thousands of lives in the future sure. by not having to have people like go to actual war because they'll be able to have machines to it um and maybe sam Shepard read that script and thought like you know this is interesting and my character because his character's not a villain necessarily. It's just a guy that made really bad decisions in a moral like gray area when he should have just realized that it wasn't a moral gray area that you don't like murder your own people. Right. But that could have been done well, you know. I mean it could have been done mm. in a way that was like sure. compelling. And instead it's just trash. It's filmed like a fucking music oh, yeah. video. And God, for as many times as you see those planes in the air, those planes ain't doing shit. Like, the majority of the movie is just close-ups of the three primary cast members sitting in the cockpit, like, emoting to things. As they're flying at the speed of sound, mind you, in some cases, that they're looking out the window and visually identifying things on the ground. Like, that is not how that shit is happening. I don't think. I don't know. If anyone's a pilot, please feel free to correct me that you can, like, pick out from 35,000 feet, like, someone walking on a hillside. Um, that they're I, a farmer,
0: you know. I don't right. Know, maybe. I mean, I, I've heard that you can like oddly see a lot, like when you're like that hot like when you're really high. But I, I think that's like pushing the limits of um, one hundred percent at like
1: eight or nine thousand feet, whatever. Flying, yeah. like if you're on a clear day, you can see cars and stuff. I mean, you can't like make out sure like models or anything. Right. You can definitely see like the flow of traffic, and you can see like things happening on the ground. But you're also not flying at the speed of sound. I mean, sure, sure, sure. I'd shit myself. Like I, mean, I wouldn't be able to handle that. Right. Um. So yeah, it was maybe a little worse than I expected it to be because I thought it would actually be fun. Um. But it's not. It's very weighty. It, it feels like the bad parts of that Miami Vice movie from Mm -hmm. the 2000s Mm -hmm. which i thought had some good elements to it in terms of like the action and stuff Mm -hmm. but i thought that the
0: the men like talking to each other on the i don't know whatever yeah man, man can man's capable of doing that where he takes things too far like it's like too important like that's that's why he heat's good is it? it gets it just right you know because like if you if you extended some of the stuff in heat just a little further it's too much it's true but, but so this, this movie is like feels like it's like so like 24. Like in some way, like, like the on terms of the global scale of all of it, it's like the fact that it's like somebody's like trapped behind the lines in North Korea, there's an incident with like you know going into Russia, like it, it, that's ridiculous. And it all happens at once
1: it's Russia, right. it's North right. Korea, they're destroying Kajikistan,
0: right? Do they Does do the world do the words uh world war, like our global catastrophe, like get uttered like? throughout it um they do talk about things being an act of war i don't think anyone talks about something being a world war or like starting a world war i mean like like that concept what like whatever language they use is that like the
1: funny thing is they they cut to a newscast about um ah i don't know what they're talking about maybe it's the um the bombing in kajikistan or something but they go to sky tv which is canada's like news network Mm-hmm. so they couldn't even get like a real like american news network they had to go to sky tv for their for their news it's like they should have gone to like al jazeera or something <laughs> right. right um but probably not in 2004 <laughs> anyway mm-hmm. um i thought it would be like can't be fun like 24 that's kind of what i expected sure. and what i sort of remembered from i mean i thought it was going to be a bad movie um, but I thought it would be a fun bad movie, but it's just a bad, bad movie. It's just a bad, bad. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, to, yeah,
0: nothing to recommend it at all. Yeah. That's a shame. So what's the sighing score on it?
1: It's an eight. Um, really? Okay. It's not like egregiously racist or misogynistic or all the stuff that pushes something into the nine and ten range for me. Um, but it is definitely a poorly filmed, poorly conceived, poorly written, and poorly acted catastrophe of shit and the fact that it costs so much money to make and doesn't even look good from a technical standpoint is um is pretty embarrassing so yeah yeah
0: that's that's uh that's something oh uh, yeah I truly somebody, really, somebody it's did really a lot of research watching. though it's like i was just looking at like the feature technologies like somebody on wikipedia like some like i guess richter like did like a ton of research probably for this movie yeah
1: I imagine so, well, remember when we I don't know, so here's the thing about this movie, and another reason why I thought I might enjoy it. We don't really talk about this much, but when I was a kid, like I was super into military technology and vehicles and armaments, you know, like I would take like arms and armor book out of books out of the library, um and not just like modern but you know like ancient or like medieval like swords and shit, but I was really into like the different um uniforms and weapons of the world powers and um part of that i think was because i was in love with gi joe when i was a kid like that was my that was my thing was gi joe but i was really fascinated with you know bomber technology and fighter jet technology and like at one point i could have told you all about like the falcon and the hornet and um all the stuff that was being you know i would buy like popular mechanics to read about like the the secrets of the Stealth Bomber, where all these people were like, you know, conjecturing about how stealth technology would work. Um, so this is something that really should have been like right up my alley, and it's how I feel when I watch stuff like, like Delta Force and um, even like Rambo 2, which is not a good movie, like there's still stuff in it that I still find really enjoyable, um, just from a like military standpoint because I'm still kind of fascinated by that stuff, mm-hmm. even though I'm much more of like a pacifist of my old age. But none of this shit, like, is interesting at all. Like, they talk about the technology, but it's so... They're trying to sound so smart that they end up sounding really stupid. And it's really boring
0: and difficult to, like, focus on. So, I don't know. Yeah. Just to put it in, I was looking his a little bit of historical context. So, this opened... It peaked at fourth place on its opening weekend behind Wedding Crashers, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and Sky High. Um, it's interesting Sky High did better than it. Yeah, it is. But I know I saw Wedding Crashers in the theater. Yeah, we watched it together. I think. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's...
1: I mean, it's crazy that we didn't see this movie because this was around the time that we were watching um, like everything that was coming out. Uh, but there must have been something about stealth that wasn't super appealing. Yeah, right? Um, yeah. Well, I mean... The Charlie did... and the Chocolate Factory movie did really well. Yeah. When was it released in
0: 2005? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, t- 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 how do you not have that information just right there with that? Because I moved on to something else. <clears throat> no, 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 no. I was asking Wikipedia. Why was uh, July
1: 29th, 2005. mm
0: so, I was still
1: working at the movie theater. That was yeah. still when I was working there. So, I don't know. I wonder why. For whatever reason, we didn't see it. And I mean, the- the, I
0: remember the trailer making... I remember, like, rolling my eyes at the trailer. So, I... Yeah. Cause I was actually the- trying to remember. I At first, I thought maybe I saw this movie. And then it's like you started describing it, and I did not see this
1: movie. No, you, I, I don't believe so. The, this was the early days of Jessica Biel being a sex symbol coming right. out of... Um, seventh heaven yeah um there's a really uncomfortable scene when they're in thailand um where they're actually in the part of thailand um that uh, tanya lives in which is Chiang mai, mm-hmm. uh, shang mai Uh rai Chiang rai sorry um but there's this really giant like beautiful giant waterfall that you have to like hike up this mountain to get to and that's where they film the scene and the scene is them in their bathing suits so she's in a string bikini and he's in like um whatever just traditional like trunks taking pictures of each other in the waterfall um and so again like trying to illustrate that there's this like sexual attraction between the two of them that he refuses to consummate because and i think what they're trying to express and they don't really ever say this specifically but that he doesn't want to mix business with pleasure even though he really likes her so he finds these really like stupid reasons to not get with her even though she clearly like wants him um that last line though man oof. yeah that's that's some shit why don't I mean, you just say you love me you pussy oh my god it's so rough mm. and it's and then it's like cut the black credits and it's like oh jesus christ Mm-mm-mm. so yeah all right so what was this other so i don't want to talk about this movie for too long yeah um but I watched another movie, a Lucio Fulci movie that I'd never seen called The Black Cat. Okay. Um, it's 81. Um, it stars most notably uh, Patrick McGee um, who's pretty, like you've if you've watched movies in the past like 40 years, you've seen Patrick McGee in something. He was actually apparently like a big um, favorite of uh, what's his name? Kubrick? Um, Ah, uh, Beckett Samuel uh, Beckett. Oh, really? Um, oh no, Kubrick liked him a lot too because he was in um. Uh, Barry Lyndon, like right? Barry Lyndon and um, Clockwork Orange. Mm, mm. Um, he's the writer in Clockwork Orange. oh right? Yeah. Um, but he's in a bunch of like really good, uh, like be low budget like horror from the seventies, um, Dimension Thirteen, Masquerade, Death the skull die monster die he's actually in um, the marat sad adaptation from the late 60s it's really good um so he plays this guy who is a it's an adaptation of pose the black cat but a very loose adaptation with elements of some other post stuff in it um so he plays this like lone lonely like scientist who's mission in life is to prove the existence of life after death and he's developed this machine that he takes into graveyards that he says lets him hear voices like from me on the grave it's basically just like a like a tape recorder kind of um so there's this american journalist that's there and she kind of becomes fascinated by it um and then there's a series of mysterious deaths and you as the viewer see that they all revolve around this, this black cat, like being there and like kind of causing things to happen. So through the course of the movie, um, you find out that there's kind of a psychic link between the McGee character and the black cat. Um, there's a love interest that comes in in um, the form of the Scotland yard inspector um, who comes to investigate the disappearance of these two lovers who were basically murdered by the black cat. And, um, it sounds like it when you, when you think about it in theory, it sounds like a really goofy premise. Um, But Fulci does a really good job of kind of instilling like this. um, Gothic. Like dread in everything. Mm -hmm. And he holds back a lot from his usual, like grand guignol, like over the top butchery um, where it's more subdued. And there's definitely like gore and violence in it, but not nearly. Um, not nearly what you know you would find in some of his other movies. Um, and it has one of the best scores in any of his movies. Um, it's got this really good like combination of subtle electronica mixed with like classical orchestration, and it works really well. Um, and it's filmed really well. it's It's much more like Argento than um, than Fulci like usually would do. So honestly, like if you're, it, it doesn't a hundred percent follow the story of the black cat. Um, but I think it's really difficult to film Poe without adding stuff to it or else it gets like, mm-hmm. it can be sort of boring, I think. um, But definitely well done. Um, definitely worth watching. Um, there's a lot of stuff where I, I wonder if um, Sam Raimi didn't see this movie at one point. Uh, Because Fulci does a lot of um, low angle cat cam Mm. where he moves the camera like quickly along the ground and like imitation of the cat like running after somebody or running from place to place. Right. Um, And it works really well and this is a few years before Evil Dead so I think it's entirely possible that maybe there was something that he pulled um, that Raimi pulled from that in terms of inspiration but yeah. um i really enjoyed it i thought its i think it's a really fun movie um i don't know why i hadn't watched it before but it's just one of those things where is it I on youtube
0: know. or something right now uh
1: it's on arrow i don't know if it's on no, youtube okay. i watched it on arrow gotcha um i've been trying to watch more on there just to kind of justify the monthly fee to myself because i've been pretty disappointed with the past like month of their releases yeah um i'm hoping that it gets better the closer we, the further we get into winter um but they've been doing a lot of stuff that i kind of find to be like they put a bunch of 70s and 80s kung fu up mm-hmm. um which i enjoy but it's not like what i'm going there for um because i can go to tubi and watch whatever a thousand hours of 70s and 80s kung fu movies right um They put up a list of the video nasties, but it's not comprehensive, which is kind of disappointing. Like, it would have been nice if they could have gotten all, however many it is, 90-some. But there's still some stuff on there I've never seen before, so I'm waiting for a weekend where I can, like, really sit down and kind of just watch that stuff. Um, it it, It might be on Tubi. I mean, Fulci's stuff was all on Tubi at one point. Fulci yeah, stuff tends yeah. to
0: be all over the place, honestly. Like, yeah, it's some kind. Of, yeah, I'm I'm assuming the I looked it up and it was like set a premium subscription on Prime, so I'm assuming maybe it's Arrow or something like that that is what they're referencing. Oh, it might be on a uh, Shutter AMC Plus. Hmm, that could be. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and spin this wheel and see what you get. I also have a really quick food chat after that yeah, no, it's okay. not a long food chat, but just something I want to talk about. All right. Let's see what you get. Taken Out the Trash. The category for next week is Taken Out the Trash. I don't know what that means, but that's what the category is. I have no recommendations. Because you can't
1: watch like what? Wally. No, I've seen Wally and I've seen that one eighties comedy Men at Work, right? Is that what they're called where they're trash men? It Camilio, is. Yeah. Emilio got Yeah. Right
0: yeah. And... a good deals with trash, but you've seen it. Haven't I ever? What's <laughs> your favorite movie? <laughs> Um, it's good, it's not great. It's I'll find good. something, I'm sure. Like, there's some kind of fucking like post apocalyptic hobos in a junkyard, like. or something that you've like not seen at some point like I probably oh yeah that's true the
1: problem is like I I think I haven't
0: seen those (laughs) and then I watch it and I get 15 minutes in and
1: I realize that it's the same 15 minutes I've gotten to like seven or eight other times when I've realized (laughs) oh I've seen this movie right
0: it's a Ryan category by the way taking out the trash I wonder if he has something specifically in mind I don't know he didn't tell me if he did. There's a couple like that. but um, I also have a couple like that as well. But I think I have probably like things. I definitely know I have things in mind. Uh, all right. So taking out the trash for next week. Episode 54. What's your food chat? So I'm
1: really cooking tonight, really. Okay. And I wanted to save my leftovers for work for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, I ate a can of Dintymore beef stew. Okay. And I had not eaten a can of Dintymore beef stew. Talking and... about hobos and Pokemon- oh, yeah, Pokemon- you apocalypse. Ain't Like A very long time. And the last time I ate a can of Dintymore beef stew, I was really disappointed in it. I thought it was disgusting. But when I was shopping this week, I thought, you know what? Like, it was maybe the nostalgia of, like, the red and black check on it or, mm-hmm. you know, that, like, calming like 70s blue like rounded font but i was like i'm gonna buy a can of dinty more and eat this one day and just see and let me tell you something must have happened at the old dinty Moore factory because <laughs> that shit was delicious and it tasted like i remember it tasted when i was because when i was a little kid um my family didn't have like a huge amount of money when i was small like in my single digits and you know early teens mm mm-hmm. So one of the things that I used to get was I was able to get canned, you know, pasta stuff for the weekends, and that would be my lunch, because I could heat it up myself, and it was pretty cheap, you know, like, usually less than a dollar for a can, Um, and buddy, like, I was so surprised. It was delicious. So it's
0: like, like, a, just, it's, so it's like a, the idea of like when you when you haven't smoked a cigarette like in a while and you like light up that first one it tastes like the first cigarette you ever smoked. See, I don't think so because I had the same idea about a decade ago
1: with Dentimore beef, Moore beef stew, <laughs> uh-huh. and it was gross. Like I was very disappointed in how bad it was. Okay, when I ate it, like it was greasy and fatty. Like the mm-hmm. meat was real fatty. Like it wasn't like lean cuts of meat and everything just kind of tasted like 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 mush like samey hmm. but all the vegetables had distinct flavor the potatoes were like firm the meat was lean and good
0: mm-hmm.
1: the stew itself had like no fat and no grease in it like it went down easy right. i had a piece of buttered bread that i sopped the remnants up with and it was delicious like it seriously was i don't know it was a good experience like i was really surprised so nice if you're ever in the glad, mood
0: glad Dinty more did you right
1: <laughs> i mean i it's, it's i might buy a can a week now and just like randomly like you know yeah. when i'm sure not feeling like doing any actual work i'll just make myself some uh some denty more
0: yeah nice i got i got a quick food chat for you um i wasn't planning on doing but since since there is we'll, we'll pair mini food chat um so macaroni and cheese right Okay. do you ever put anything in macaroni and cheese like whether you just like I don't know anything like sure. just okay what like what kind of things can can you mix in to like make the macaroni and cheese fuller like as maybe like more of a meal uh diced ham is really good in mm-hmm. macaroni and cheese yep um
1: Sometimes I will layer pepperoni in my macaroni and cheese. Interesting. Okay. And make almost like a pizza macaroni and cheese. Hmm. Um I am not a huge fan of it, but I know that many people are big proponents of lobster macaroni and cheese. Hmm. Um, I'm not a fan of seafood with cheese necessarily. Okay. Um although I have had a really good crab mac and cheese with like lump crab meat in it that was delicious. Um, on the same vein of ham, I think that sausage is good in macaroni and cheese. Sometimes, like you like what kind of sausage? You got yeah, okay. like a like like smoked sausage, you know? Like um, okay, and like slice sh- it up. Yeah, like just cut okay. it into medallions and mix it mm-hmm. in. Okay. Um, I think breadcrumbs are good in macaroni and cheese. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. preparation. I know that there's a lot of people that are more purists where they just want like a cheese sauce with macaroni mixed together but right i kind of like the idea of layering different cheeses in and then making like a cheesy breadcrumb crumble on top of it mm-hmm. when you bake it um i imagine that like the hamburger helper style macaroni and cheese is pretty good yeah. i've never had that but i can imagine
0: that no, like, we uh, do so we do a taco mac and cheese where we make like hamburger with like you know taco seasoning and everything mm-hmm. and then we put um southwestern corn in it as well mm, um, yeah that's good and mix that in Delicious. and i use, and obviously because <clears throat> i'm lactose intolerant like i end up having to like make my own cheese sauce and i usually just for that use the um craft shredded um taco like oh yeah the cheddar, melts, like lactose free yeah, melts yeah, 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 yeah
1: that's actually i I have a bag of that in the refrigerator right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that one of the big things the most so if you're just making like cheese sauce cooked noodles and then folding something into it, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that's ever very good because it doesn't blend well, you know. Like I, I think the way that you do it is you layer your your pasta with your um Raw like shredded cheese and whatever Ingredient you have and then you make A cheese sauce almost like a um, Like a thin cheese sauce So you pour over top of that so it like Falls in and gets in between the layers mm-hmm. And then when you bake it like That cooks your noodles
0: So you think it'd be better to bake it
1: Oh yeah 100% yeah. Like if you're putting ingredients in I think you have to Bake the mac and cheese I don't think you want to fold in On On the stovetop Pardon me. Like, I think that that's, um, I mean, to me, there's, that's, like, I like stovetop mac and cheese, and I, I think I make a pretty good, like, cheese sauce myself. Mm-hmm. But that's just when you're really just trying to make a fast, like, side dish to go with a meal. Like, if you're going to make, man, I, maybe I'll make mac and cheese tomorrow. Now. <laughs> I got hamburger meat and everything. I might do that. Um, Because you could fold, like you could make like a cream sauce with like sour cream and um butter and you know like make a roux and then like thicken the cream sauce up and pour it on top of it so mm. it like all falls down and then when you cut it like you have the the hardened like melted cheese with like the creaminess of the cheese sauce and all that stuff would pull out together and would almost make it like a pie kind of you know like mm. it would be um mm like a like a baked like mac and cheese pie with this ingredient and in that would be pretty delicious i think.
0: Yeah. I was just wondering last night i did um i did bacon. Yeah, bacon um, crumbled bacon is really good in mac yeah, and cheese. Yeah, i did bacon, broccoli and i toasted panko like and then just like sprinkled that over the top once it was in the bowls. My um
1: my very cuz i i when i make mac and cheese i tend to make it for my mom. Mm -hmm. And my mom won't eat very much. The panko is a good choice, by the way. That's a a nice Mm -hmm. touch. Um, I do um, like two tablespoons of butter and flour and I make a roux. And then I slowly add heavy cream to it. Um, You know, use a spatula to pull across to like thicken it. And then just salt, pepper, and paprika. Mm -hmm. And I stir that together. And then I pour that um, on the noodles, like, I cook the noodles so al dente, so, like, seven or eight minutes, and put them in the casserole dish, and then I pour the sauce on top of it, but I also layer cheese in the middle of that, mm-hmm. and then when I bake it, like, it comes out pretty well, but you get, like, a really good taste from the paprika, mm-hmm. like, mixed in with the um, cream, the cheese sauce. Um, oh, because you're melting cheese in the cheese sauce, so I'm sorry. Like, mm-hmm. I do the, um, usually I do, like, a, like a cheddar blend. Like mm-hmm. I like those craft melts like what you're talking about with mm-hmm. the um, Mexican cheese but I like the the cheddar the three cheddar blend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um cuz it melts smooth and you get like a nice thickness to it and then when you pour it on top like it cooks well. Yeah. I use the triple so. cheddar too.
0: Yeah. Um <clears throat> one last question. Bacon. I don't trust myself on the stovetop with bacon so I put it in the oven. Yeah, same here okay
1: um i almost will never the only time i think you're number one i don't think bacon is as good on the oven as it is in the stove i think bacon always comes out crispier and tastier and less burned Mm -hmm. in the oven because you have more control over the temperature and the time um and you don't have like the spatter like it doesn't like splatter out and hit you on the arm and like right you on from yeah, and that's
0: what that's why i don't trust myself like so i've always i do it in the oven
1: but and it's so much easier to clean because you just like yes. i do a layer of aluminum foil and i put yep. the bacon i have a yep. um uh, i don't know what you call them like um grates or whatever like the raised mm-hmm. um grates i can not even think of another word for them but I put that on top of there, and then the bacon cooks evenly, like top and bottom. Right. And you just take it right off, like out of the oven, and put it on a paper towel so it absorbs mm-hmm. all the grease yep. that way. Yep, and then all you have to do is just let the pan, the um, baking sheet sit there for like 45 minutes. Right. And you can just fold up the aluminum foil around the baking grease and throw it away.
0: Yeah. As long as you protect those sides of that bacon pan, like you're, you're good. Right. Like, you know, I mean, yeah,
1: I just, yeah. I always like do it larger than the pan is mm-hmm. and I fold yep. the aluminum foil over. Yep.
0: So it makes like a bowl. Absolutely. Kind of. um, so I, I, I informed um my wife tonight that like when I did the bacon uh because i do it for like 12 on the top rack and then um 12 on the bottom is how i was taught or read years ago or something like that so um but when i took it out i sprinkled some black pepper on it um Mm. on the bacon and then i just i took syrup and just very Mm. lightly like drizzled like syrup on it and um she was like yeah it doesn't really need the syrup if it's going to go in mac and cheese and um i don't think that 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 that's that's basically like that. I think it was like I was incorrect, except for the, she liked it. So I think that means I was correct. <laughs> I mean, that's always a good touch for bacon. Yeah, she As says if it, you were doing it for bacon that wasn't going to go in mac and cheese, then that's 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 fine. But it's, you, she wouldn't do it putting the mac and cheese. But it's like she liked the mac and cheese, so I still yeah. think I, I win. <laughs> what else was in the mac and cheese? It was just the bacon, yeah, broccoli, and and that's it. And then the um fried pan, uh, the toasted panko. Now nah, the-
1: that extra touch is is fine, I think, for that bacon.
0: Yeah, I think it adds a little bit of sweetness.
1: Yeah, the broccoli is not going to have like a huge right. amount of flavor anyway. Uh-huh. So you get that nice like yeah. sweet, crispy like um savouriness of the yeah. brown, the um black pepper and the bacon. And that was my thinking
0: thank you for the validation
1: yeah i mean i i I, I never have i never have syrup so i do the same thing but i do it with um brown sugar Mm. like just a little bit of brown sugar on top of the bacon with black pepper sure um for whatever reason like because i don't really cook when i make french toast and stuff like that i use um applesauce as my topping okay um or i'll just use a little bit of honey like whisked with some um Actually, I just do like honey, and I drizzle it on top. Um, I don't know why. Like, I don't. I guess like when I think about syrup, I feel like I don't ever need it. So I don't know. Right.
0: Yeah. It's the only time syrup syrup is ever used is uh waffles. If waffles are done. Um, like breakfast breakfast for dinner type thing. Uh, D-more does have a Facebook page. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I've decided should, they need to advertise that shit yeah yeah um or mel Denty Moore, um is the, is the app so last week and i do want to like pick up on this last week i mentioned black adam um but hmm. i've decided that i don't really want to talk about it like that much um i've lost my passion for hating on Dwayne, but i do want to like fulfill that um promise a little bit so we both watched Black Adam like over the Christmas break. Uh huh. Um, what was your like key takeaways from Black Adam? Because I know you have some positives actually. That like some yeah. minor positives. Um. I start. We'll start with those, I guess, and then.
1: I really enjoyed the supporting characters mm-hmm. in terms of the superheroes. Um I thought that. Uh, Dr. Fate and Hawkman in particular were really well done and really captured um, the feel and the tone of those characters uh, from the comics. Um, Dr. Fate is one of my favorite comical characters from DC from when I was young. um, He was my favorite superpower figure too, so it was really cool to see Dr. Fate on the big screen. Um, I did not particularly enjoy The change to black adam's origin and i don't understand why i hated the dialogue and i hated the fact that you're making this super serious movie about a guy who's a murderer basically and you have to pepper like jokes everywhere um i wasn't a fan of that um i thought that The action sequences were actually pretty well done for the most part. Um, A lot of times I think those set piece like action sequences can get really messy in big budget superhero movies, but I Mm -hmm. didn't feel that way about this. I thought that they were um, Mm -hmm. they were handled pretty well for the most part. And I thought that they um, it actually gives gives me hope for a future Superman movie, if it can look something like that. Mm. Um, because i thought that it was Mm -hmm. really captured like that feeling of somebody with like all this ultimate power um but i don't know i just i I didn't like the dialogue i didn't really like the story i thought it was really trite i thought that it was way too predictable to know what was going to happen um especially from the standpoint of him like Oh, he is the hero that we need. You know what I mean? Like, sure. You spend so much sure. time like he's not the hero that we need that obviously... He's going to be the hero that you yeah, need. Yeah, you just telegraph all that shit. And sure. that kind of... Um, has really been bothering me recently with movies in general, but it bothers me here, too, that there's just no subtlety to the way that you're portraying something or that you're trying to pretend like you have subtlety and there's none there. Um, and then Dwayne's just Dwayne. Yeah... I felt that the mother and son character I felt like it It, it seemed like a movie that was, was way too um, way too invested with ripping things off from other existing movies mm-hmm. like let me take this from Thor oh I'm going to pull this from Ant-Man like oh yeah. let's take this stuff from the Dark Knight you know what I mean and it's like it felt like it had no like tone of its own at that point. Like it had no like identity beyond.
0: Well, it didn't really feel like the mother and son character had much of an identity in the f- either. You know, like as like well, they characters. didn't. They're just uh, like they're just do sex machina to
1: like humanize, right? The rocks, basically godlike being. You know, like mm-hmm. you can't just. It's one of the biggest problems I think with Superman movies in general, and why. Really, the Christopher Reeve original Superman is the only one that's really gotten it right. Which is, how do you humanize a character that is virtually indestructible? You know, like, how do you get someone who's an actual living human being to be invested in that character? And the answer is, it's through their actions, obviously, but it's also through their supporting cast. Like, the fact that the people that are around them are definitely not unkillable and can be hurt and can be harmed and so it's up to them to protect them Mm -hmm. and i just didn't feel like there was any real connection with me between any of those characters from whatever that made up country
0: yeah they were in i will say going back to stealth real quick i do like kind of miss the time where real countries could be mentioned by name and now like no country can ever be mentioned by name because of the geopolitical like Troll yeah. out of a globalized world. Um But anyway, yes. Yeah, so
1: the I, thing with the thing with Black Adam, and one of the things that annoys me about it is he's a character that existed in ancient Egypt. Like who are you offending right. by talking about the pharaohs and the pyramids? Yeah. Like you're not talking about like Egypt today. Right. You know, I mean and I'm it's also annoying to me that you don't have Shazam in the first Black Adam movie considering that they are 100% like interconnected characters yeah, and you already have a Shazam that exists within the, the DC universe like DC makes the worst missteps in my opinion in terms of how they market their shit and how they plan their releases like there's your perfect crossover is to do Black Adam versus Shazam and I guess maybe they're, they were saving that for the sequel they thought was going to be forthcoming. That now will probably never happened. But um. no, no,
0: no, uh, no. It was going to be Superman. That's what the whole like teaser was about. Like they yeah. weren't going to do anything with Shazam because because uh, Dwayne decided that he didn't like that. Like that was that was that was the initial plan. Was like you know that um um John, uh, rocky was like pushing like back like 7 years ago or 8 years ago now i guess was pushing for superman or batman for black adam to fight like long before this movie was made and then he said that dc wanted to do Shazam um and him and then it's like you see what the end result is is that henry cavill is makes a cameo at the end to try to push the superman thing um that's what's led to like this whole like fallout with like James Gunn taking over and stuff like that is that Rocky was like trying to make black Adam, like the superhero, like an A-list superhero by putting him against like Superman. And like, because I think he has some kind of like weird need to like have whatever character he plays beat up Superman at some point with his minotaur thighs. Mm. So, yeah, it should have been Shazam, but um, nah, he didn't like that. Um, so now I just think Black Adam might be done. It's a shame because it's an interesting
1: character, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I was only sort of into DC comics when I was young, but um, I did enjoy the Shazam stuff, and there's some really good stuff with Black Adam from I guess like the late 80s. Mm-hmm. um, Black Adam Shazam and uh Dr. Sylvania, yeah, who's like there another character that I kind of wish had been in the movie, um, who's, who's a big part of the Shazam universe, so I don't know
0: are you because I never know what you are or aren't familiar with with d c um Kingdom come are you familiar with sure that art uh from what I understand, and it's all like speculation at this point, but apparently I read that James Gunn is really likes that arc a lot um well yeah like what's your opinion on that arc like i've never asked you that before i don't think um i'm okay with like
1: most of the elseworld stuff um it doesn't take place in the actual like dc Mm. universe proper
0: so Mm it's not like one of the other earths even or anything like that or no no, it's an elseworld story okay kingdom come um i mean it's interesting i
1: i kind of feel like i kind of feel like civil war has sort of taken the thunder out of what it can do because civil war is a gross rip off in a lot of ways of the ideas in kingdom come even though kingdom come was before civil war
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um but now what are you gonna do like right people have already seen it so uh the idea of and also the injustice video games are kind of a ripoff of civil war in that that sense as well um with the idea that superman is basically saying that if you can't govern yourselves that i can govern you right um although with him it's more i I guess it's i don't know you'd have to talk about fucking kingdom come for an hour gotcha um but it's good yeah the artwork is amazing in it that's um alex ross uh did that i don't know if you're familiar with alex ross he's one of the maybe i don't know he did covers for a long time Mm -hmm. mostly um that are sort of like photorealistic like he's a traditionalist in the norman rockwell style of like painting um okay. So his cover art is amazing. Like, if you look it up, you've seen definitely Alex Ross art before. Um, but he doesn't really do an incredible amount of, like, interior art, I don't think. And I'm pretty sure that Kingdom Come...
0: Oh, yeah. I'm familiar with him. Yeah. I've seen this kind of... Yeah.
1: You, you might have read Marvels at one point. Marvels was the thing that he did after Kingdom Come. Um that's a similar idea Hmm. but yeah i don't know i mean that would be i think it would be cool to see i think if you're gonna get people interested in the dc universe that's a way to do it but it also is not going to it's not going to be something that you can parlay into the way that marvel is done Unless you somehow parlay it into Crisis on Infinite Earths, which would be pretty cool,
0: yeah.
1: Um, but they already did that on the in TV, right? Didn't they do the Crisis storyline on? Y- yeah, yeah, I, but yeah, <laughs> sure. With I don't know, it's it's so hard to talk about the DC universe from a film standpoint. because yeah, nothing yeah, ever
0: matters, right? It's so fragmented. Um, yeah, the the, the WB stuff, like they've never i think done anything with the tv stuff in the films like i never think they recognized any of that um and they did it on the tv stuff but it's like it was only for like sweeps episodes like once a year or something like that um so i don't i I don't think they ever did it like you know in in the way that like was meaningful or mattered ultimately um it's just a way to get people onto the other shows and cross promote um yeah I'll, I'll be interested to see what gunn does because i to some degree i have a lot of faith in him i mean i i've we i mean we both like james gunn for a long time um sure. as a writer and um, director and stuff like that and <clears throat> um, i'll be really interested to see what he can do because i this i do think it will be have he'll be someone that will add try to add consistency to it whether he ultimately like ends up being allowed to do that whether there's fan backlash over certain things like whether he gets hampered along the way like i have no idea um but i'll be interested to see like which stories he wants to do and um but i think there's already problems with batman like that are unsolvable um because this is in the middle basically of a trilogy i think Of new Batman movies that just started and I don't think they're going to be able to use Batman
1: eh that's not such a big deal to me I know that Batman's the most popular DC character but I think that Batman always kind of needs to stand on his own yeah um otherwise it's just Batman and some crazy technology because they're fighting some right Mm.
0: impossible
1: force or whatever
0: It'll be interesting, I think, um, to see what happens over the next couple of years. But, I mean, shit, like, this will be James Gunn's life, I mean, for potentially, what, the next 15 years if it goes well? I mean, um, it's kind of a shame because (laughs) there's, it's like, there's stuff like, I wish I could see, like, things like Slither and stuff like that, like, have him, like, make movies that are just enjoyable and, um like from his own mind as opposed to adapting material. But you know. yeah, I agree. All right. Um so next week uh I've is already... taking out the trash. You got it? Yeah. You got it. You know, you know what you're doing, you think?
1: Oh, absolutely not. I've no <laughs> oh, idea. Oh, okay. I I I got it in the sense that I might not have to ask you four or five times <laughs> like I did last week like what's this category again? <clears throat> right. Um, um, all right. So go watch Black Cat. Never watch Stealth.
0: Eat Dendy yeah. more. <laughs> good plug. Have a good week, everybody. deuces